0: All right, everybody, this is Brother Frank with the Remnant Call saying, God bless each one of you, and I am so sorry that we are starting a half hour late tonight. That is my fault, and the few years I've been doing this program uh, now, never had this happen, but tonight I was with some friends, we were practicing some uh, praise music for the Lord, and just got into that song, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus, and I'll tell you, a friend of mine plays piano just kind of rearranged the song so beautifully, I just absolutely got... uh, totally overtaken by the song and my wife's calling me like, Hey, hey, your show, your show. And and I was just like on cloud nine on this because folks, I'm telling you, it is nothing but the blood of Jesus that can save that cleanses, that washes us white as snow, and it is so powerful. And so tonight, we've got a guest who knows about the blood, who understands what it can do, and he's going to help us to understand what it takes for us to walk deeper in our communion with the Lord. And that is none other than our good friend David Murray. And I'm going to bring David on here with us. Brother David, are you here tonight?
1: I am Frank. How you doing, brother? You know, it, it, Frank. Yeah, you kicked it old school with that with that song. That is one of my all time favorite worship songs, and I get choked up. There's not a single time that we won't play that song and I won't get choked up. So I can't think of a better reason for us to be running late.
0: <laughs> David, I, I honestly I feel like going up, getting my guitar, plugging it in, and we just play it and sing it because it is about the blood. If it wasn't for the blood we wouldn't be here tonight. We truly would not be here.
1: That's right. And, um, That's right. So yeah. Thank God.
0: Uh, anyways, David, I want to say, God bless you. Thank you for your patience with me running behind this evening, but I don't want to distract anymore because I, what you have been sharing with us is a multi-phased stepped process into this ultimate conclusion of what does it mean to walk deeper with the Lord? Um, As Andrew Murray once wrote one of the most powerful papers outside of the Bible, I think, ever written on absolute surrender. I believe, David, what you've kind of been leading us to is that that complete surrender to a communion that is so deep that you begin to actually share the same feelings. And yes, God's ways are higher than our ways, but that doesn't mean that we can't learn his ways. We have to be willing to surrender our own stuff unto him. And so, David, I don't know where you're going tonight with yielding our soul. I have an idea, but I'm just asking, could you start with prayer and then take us where the Lord is leading us?
1: Absolutely, Frank. I'd be honored. Father God, we give this 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 time to you. We give this teaching to you. Lord, as we get into your word, I just am in agreement with Frank, that we just speak blessings over the body of Christ that tunes into this, Lord God, that tunes into your word, that is hungry for you, or that is hungry for what you have and and the invitation that you've given us to walk in greater intimacy and great intimacy with you. We thank you for scales falling off the eyes of the listeners, that bondage and chains be broken in the name of Messiah Yeshua, Jesus Christ, Lord God, the, the atonement, the propitiation of our sins. I thank you for your, you confirming your word, Lord God. I thank you and I bless the body of Christ with greater revelations of your love tonight and through the word as we get into it this evening. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, Brother David, just take us, uh, take us on that journey tonight into deeper communion.
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty exciting. I'm uh, we're we're in I think part four here of deeper community series, and, and Chris, you touched upon a little bit. You know, um, the Lord says that His ways are above our ways, but but a lot of times we quote that from the old covenant, and we don't fulfill the new covenant, which with the scripture then goes on to say um, that we have the mind of Christ, that when we accepted Amen. the Holy Amen. Spirit inside of us, guys we entered into the best covenant that um, it was the fulfillment of all prior covenants. Every covenant uh, that there was cut from the time of Adam and Eve straight through the history of man was all culminating to the time when there would be the great reconciliation that took place, guys. That was where where Jesus would be the propitiation of our sins. We're going to talk about that word propitiation in a minute. Uh, it's vital to, to, to deeper communion. It's a vital the intimacy is understanding that everything that took place after the fall was geared toward this new covenant where God lives inside of us. Nowhere else will do we have a covenant right where the Holy Spirit will come and dwell in those who receive the gift of atonement. And one of the things that Father has called me to do is to bring the body of Christ into the awareness of the new covenant. You know, each generation of believers will have their own challenges, and each generation, every single one of us has a part. Every single one. There are never meant to be any spectators. Every single person has a call and is equipped and gifted in the body of Christ. And one of the challenges in this hour, understanding really the ailments that face us in the body of Christ in this hour, guys, is it has to do with our soul. It has to do with understanding what does that even mean? Uh, many of you are thinking, David, what does that mean, yielding your soul? Where are you going with this? Well, you know, I could state it another way. It's how to get our soul to stop contending with our spirit. Right? We are spirit beings. Um, if, if I could take for a second, if you guys could grab a, a pencil or a pen Right, and I'm gonna I'm gonna explain to you spirit, soul, and body here real quickly. If you could draw a big circle, right, on a piece of paper. That circle that you draw. Inside of it, a little bit smaller, draw a smaller circle. And then inside of that second circle, draw another circle. Okay. That outer circle, that largest circle, we can define that as our temple, the temple of the Holy Spirit, our flesh, our physical body. Right? our car, That is our carnal nature, carnal meaning of this realm. There are two realms. There is a spirit realm and there is a physical realm. The word carnal does not just talk about lustful living. It talks about things that involve the physical, tangible reality of this realm. Whether you're sitting on a chair, you're listening to through a computer, through a radio, those are all carnal things. Carnality doesn't necessarily mean bad. It's about context, guys. Right, So we have our flesh, our temple. That second circle that we drew is going to be our soul. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. Our beliefs, our thoughts, our will, our intention, our desire resides within this physical temple. The smaller circle, which is not based upon magnitude, but just for the purpose of this demonstration, that smaller circle is our spirit man. Guys, that is who we are. We are spirit beings. When we leave this realm and we're given a spirit body, that spirit body will replace this physical temple. It will then shroud who we are in glory. It will shroud our soul and it will shroud our spirit man. We are spirit beings. And when we accept Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside our spirit. That's the new covenant. When we define ourselves and say, well, you know, I wasn't sure if that was the Lord talking or that was just me. That is unbiblical language, guys. The real you is your spirit being. So if we're going to be sticklers, and sometimes we need to be sticklers to, to retrain our thinking. Other times it's semantics and it just causes arguments. But sometimes there's a, there's a really good reason for us to be sticklers of the word and, and very particular in our language because it helps rewire our thinking. So when we say something, though, I'm not sure if that was the Lord speaking to me or if my soul was getting in the way. Because when God speaks, he's speaking to our spirit. And that is who you are. You are a spirit being. So you can't say, well, I wonder if that was just me. I was the Lord, it was just me. You can't say that. Because the Lord lives inside of you, your spirit being. The language is... I wasn't sure if that was the Lord speaking to me or if that was my soul speaking to me. So we're going to get into this. What does it mean to yield our soul? We're going to talk a couple of things. The transition is, you know, what is a yielded soul? How has the church made a mess of this? How has the darkness that's, that's come over the body of Christ and the lack of understanding of this affected us? And how do we examine ourselves and make the transition? Guys, this is the wonderful news about everything in the kingdom. It's not difficult. The kingdom is not meant to be difficult. It's meant to be enjoyed, and it's, it starts with understanding who we are. So we're going to get into that. The scripture I want to start with, guys, is 1 John 3.2. Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Now, the language here in the Greek doesn't render well in the English. What that's really saying is, beloved, I wish above all things that you will prosper and be in health. As your soul prospers, so will you be in health and prosper physically. Meaning, to the degree that our mind, will, and emotions are prospering, are in health, are in abundance, are at rest and peace. These are, the, these are Greek words for prosperity. As our soul comes into prosperity, so will our physical body and soul all the things that we're meant to have in the kingdom. Because our soul, guys, is the gateway in which we allow the Holy Spirit to pass the revelation he's giving us out of our spirit man into our thoughts and beliefs or it's where we reject it. And it's the number one greatest ailment that we have had in any generation, and it's really culminating in this generation of believers. As we near the Lord's return, the scripture say the enemy will come in like a flood, but the Spirit of God will raise up a standard against him. He's raising up a standard. He is raising the water level, guys, in this generation. He is calling the body of Christ to understand what great intimacy means, and how we get it. And it starts with taking our mind, our will, our emotions, our beliefs, and allowing the Holy Spirit to conform them into his image, into his truth. Here's an example, guys. I'm going to put this in context with a lot of... Um, well, I mean, to really, to be blunt, right, a lot of the talk that we talk about, there, there isn't... Um, there is a, a degree, a lack of, of teaching that that is gained, geared toward um, recognizing the fact that Jesus provided the atonement for our sins, which gave us access into the Holy of Holies. Right? And Jesus is the doorway to the Father. If we read the epistles, if we read the Gospels, Jesus is always referring to his father and how they could enter into greater understanding of the father's heart and of his love. The reason Jesus spent almost four years on the earth was to show them the nature of their heavenly dad. It was, he was the type and shadow of the new covenant that we would have access to where Jesus was the doorway. So why am I laying this foundation so, so broad? Guys, the reason why I'm putting such a fine head on this is because the fear, the anxiety, the turmoil, the uncertainty, the confusion, it all boils down to what we choose to understand and believe about the Lord and how we rewire the way we read the Bible to fit a God that conforms to the lives we have believed about Him. And it's time for that to unravel, it's time for that to change. A lot of the confusion that we hear, we will read about, you know, this coming judgment, that coming judgment. I was re- recently, someone sent me something and said, you know, this was from a well-respected individual, um, and it was written, you know, as many times it does when the Lord will share someone a word and try to share his heart, right? We put words to things that are spiritually discerned. When God speaks to us, guys, he does not speak linearly. And I'm not going to get into that too much, but we're talking about our soul, and we're talking about our mind processing spiritual truths that flow out of our spirit, man. So when the Holy Spirit is communing with our spirit, he's speaking in spiritual language and spiritual truths. Our mind processes it and formulates it in a way that our soul can understand it and articulate it. Well, to the degree, guys, that we have a twisted and perverted and wounded picture of our Heavenly Father will be the degree that we twist whatever is the Holy Spirit has spoken in its purest form, to our spirit man. That's why someone can give a prophetic word, and there's something about the word that rings true, and yet you feel such condemnation and grief and fear. It's not that the word was wrong, it's that the conduit was very impure. And I'll liken it like this. The Holy Spirit, right, throughout all scripture, Jesus openly plainly says it, from the man's inner bellies will flow rivers of life. The well, when Jesus spoke to the Samaritan woman and said, from you, you will never thirst again, the well is eternal rest in the Lord. Whenever God talks about rest, he talks about wells of water. He talks about a tree being planted beside water, deep roots. That's our relationship. That's our intimacy. Whenever the Bible talks about rivers of water, it's talking about the power of the kingdom flowing through us. And the problem we have is that when the kingdom, when the Holy Spirit is trying to confirm the words of the Father, it doesn't come out of our spiritual mouth. It flows from our our spirit man out through our understanding. Well, if I have a perverted form, if I have a fearful judgmental form, not understanding that Jesus paid for all my sins, not understanding that I'm unconditionally loved and accepted, not understanding that I'm fully pleasing to him. Well, when I attempt to convey what God wants to do, guess what's going to happen? You have pure rivers of water flowing through rusty pipes, and you get rust water. And so it takes a lot of spiritual discernment to hear what the Holy Spirit is trying to say and to look past the junk of the the conduit. And what's happened is, for many of us, we've been so wounded by rusty pipes that we've turned off to the Holy Spirit. We've shut off communion. We've shut things down. And all that's left for us is fearful judgment. And so we tune into things that talk about judgment, talk about repentance, and we have no roadmap of intimacy. As we talked last week, that all discipline is aimed at greater intimacy. Discipline does not have any wrath. Now, I know that it grinds a lot of gears for some people, but that's simply because we're listening to people that are quoting the wrong covenant. And I'm going to give you guys some examples. Romans 3.25, 1 John 2.2, and 1 John 4.10 all use the Greek word hilasmos. It's Strong's 24.34. It means propitiation. Propitiation, guys, in the Greek means the atonement and the sacrifice of anger and wrath has been fully completed. I'm going to say that again. Propertiation means the wrath that a holy God required to be met out has been a hundred percent atoned for. Jesus a hundred percent atoned for the wrath of God on sin. Romans three twenty five, one John two two, one John four ten. As I invite you to read the entire chapter of Hebrews ten goes into this in great detail. It's all throughout the New Covenant. It is what the New Covenant is. The Holy Spirit only came into our spirit being because wrath has been satisfied. The wrath that will come one day, and there is a wrath, will come on the demons, will come on Satan, will come on the beast and the Antichrist, will come on sin. Anyone who has not received Christ falls under the judgment that will befall sin. But the wrath of man was satisfied in the final Adam, the final sacrifice. Guys, we must embrace that or we must choose to reject it. There's no gray. We have to decide. The hour is getting short. We really need to decide, am I going to choose to live in the truth of the new covenant, what Jesus did for me, or am I going to reject it? Here's the cool thing, guys. He's going to love you unconditionally either way? he's going to love you and lavish his affections on you until the day when you return to heaven. He will set in motion in our lives out of the fierce jealousy of wanting intimacy with us, he will set upon us trial after trial after trial in an attempt to break up the lies that Satan has us bound to. I know this. show you the purpose of trials. The purpose of a trial is meant to release glory by delivering our soul from lies and bondage. He will never stop wooing you into greater intimacy. So the question when I was praying, and I had some extra time praying, because as Frank said, we ran a little bit late. I was asking, Lord, what is one word that I can encourage my brothers and sisters with? And the Lord kept saying, choice. 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 And I understood what he was saying. This generation has a choice. We're going to choose to enter into greater intimacy. We're going to choose to accept his invitations for greater, deeper communion. Or we're going to choose to do what we want to do and squander our life living in fear and Satan's bondages. It's our choice. He loves you unconditionally. He will never stop loving you. You will never stop being in the apple of his eye and the center of his affection. But we'll have missed out on the honor and privilege of glorifying his name and bringing honor and glory to him and sticking our thumb in Satan's eye by saying, I will not exalt your lie, Satan. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord in spirit and in truth, in deep communion. Let me tell you something. Mm-hmm. Nothing infuriates Satan more than a child of God who has begun to enter into intimacy. Satan doesn't care if we're afraid of judgment to come. Because Satan knows the work. He knows his creator. He knows his creator is a holy, just, perfect, loving God. That's why he hates him. So he, he doesn't care. He wants you to be in that fear and bondage. Every moment of our lives to be as miserable as we allow them to be made. And the body of Christ is being called out of that. So, let's get back to yielding our soul. Guys, the degree that we do not accept the reality of the covenant that we're in, to the degree that our soul, our mind, will, and our emotions rejects what the Holy Spirit has bore witness to in our spirit man, is to the degree that we shut down the doorways of intimacy with the Lord because he can't force us to change our thinking. There are many times when the Lord will want to speak to us on something and we just don't allow him to. We reject it. It comes flowing out of our spirit Man, We'll spend time in the word. We'll spend time in prayer. And from there the Holy Spirit we can feel floating from within us, that river of life, that wellspring starts to rise up and it it rises and builds and then it hits our mind and then we reject it. Think about some of the things that we have rejected. Think about sometimes when you feel, just throughout the day, you'll feel a glitter of love. You'll feel a simmer of joy and you can't put your finger on it. You feel a peace and an excitement, almost like there's something around you that's electrifying. And we start to feel guilty. We start to be reminded of our shortcomings. We start to think, well, you know, I haven't done X, Y, and Z. Well, what are we doing? We are allowing the demonic realm to have place in the atmosphere around us. It speaks to our soul the areas that we've been wounded and hurt and have such poor role modeling that we come into our relationship with the Lord with, poor discipling, we receive those lies, and we reject what the Holy Spirit is doing, and it stays inside of our spirit, churning and churning and building, waiting to come out. To our soul, our belief system is the gateway. That's why if you look, many people say just as they listen to a word, they get healed, and we thought, well, the, the, the word is so anointed <laughs> in our old covenant thinking. Right? The scriptures, New Testament say that we have an anointing that abides. We now in Christ have an anointing that abides. Anointing doesn't fall in the new covenant. It's inside of us. We release it out. For those of us in praying for the Holy Spirit to come down for, for arrival, it's not going to happen. He's already here. He wants to work through you. He wants to work through me. Right, so when we, we hear of, of people where they got deliverance just by listening to a message and we place it on that, that messenger was so anointed. No, guys, what happened is the recipient, the brother and sister in the body of Christ, their soul received the spiritual truth. And when our soul prospers, the scriptures say in 1 John 3, 2, and many places, that we begin to prosper because our soul is the gatekeeper to life and death so I, I, I hope I hope that makes a little bit of sense, guys. Um, everything we do, guys, it's not limited to just our thoughts on one particular area, where we have a misunderstanding about the Lord, where we choose to reject that He loves us unconditionally, we choose to think we need to earn His love and acceptance. What happens is it affects how we view trials, it will affect our finances. It'll affect certainly our communion that we have with him. It will affect the health of our physical body. How we view loss, tragedy. How we view this realm, the eternal realm. It affects everything, guys. Everything. So, understanding what a yielded soul is, guys. It is a soul that is in agreement with God's word. And when the spirit of God wants to speak to us, and it grinds against some of our issues, we change our beliefs. We conform our thinking to what is true. Let's move on. We'll go through this real quickly, guys. The Holy Spirit, you said, comes to live inside of our spirit, I that diagram. Romans 8, 16. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit we are God's children. Romans 8, 16. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit Spirit We are God's children. Now testify with our soul. That's why for so many of us we say, "Oh, I don't feel holy. I don't feel sanctified. What are we saying? We're going by our feelings. We're going by our emotions. That's not who we are. That's not where we bear witness. That's not where the kingdom lives. That's not where truth lies. Ephesians 1:13, when you, were believed, when you believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Guys, yielding the soul means to agree what the Lord has stated in his word is actually true. None of us are going to be quick to suggest that we argue with God. But here's the proof, guys. When we're struggling, where do our thoughts go to? Do our thoughts line up with God's word toward us, or are they toxic, self-condemning? Remember, Satan is the accuser of the brethren. If we're accusing others or we're accusing ourselves, we are coming into agreement with demons. We are changing the spiritual atmosphere around us through the gateway of our soul to come into alignment with demonic principalities.
0: And then we wonder
1: why the body of Christ is so hurting and bruised and powerless and just so much of the ill time stuff that's out there. God wants to heal all that, guys. Healing that takes place, takes place within our mind, will, and emotions. Guys, let me give you some scriptures. Romans 8, 6. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. We often deliberately choose to think of this verse only in terms of actions. And there's a reason for that. Because if we look at it in terms of actions, it's self-righteousness, it's legalism, and we can justify ourselves. But that's contrary to the kingdom. God says because of what Jesus accomplished, because he made us holy, because he was the propitiation for our sins, we are blameless, holy, beyond reproach, flawless, justified, sanctified. If we spent as much time looking up verses that talk about righteousness, justification, sanctification, blameless, holy, propitiation, more than we read the book of Daniel, or the book of Ezekiel, we would start feeling the reality of his love. And then when he spoke to us about those scriptures and texts, we would glean so much insight into what he wants to do on the earth. We would begin to say, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord. Behold your manservant, your servant. Lord, I, I don't love life so much as to shrink from death. I'll be one of those in, in Revelations that says that they overcame by the blood of the Lamb the word of the testimony, and they were not they, they were not so afraid as to shrink away from death. Where are we in the body of Christ in relation to those scriptures? Guys, there's no condemnation in this. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. None. There's only invitations to greater intimacy. Guys, Proverbs twenty three, seven. We'll talk about the soul. We're going to hit this home. For as a man thinks within himself, so he is. Guys, I won't read them all now. Look up Romans twelve two 2 Corinthians five 2 Peter one nineteen they all refer to change that must take place in our soul not our spirit it's because our spirit has been born again our soul is the gatekeeper when jesus stands at the door and knocks fact he's not knocking on our spirit he already lives in there the holy spirit's already there our spirit already already testifies with the holy spirit that we're sons of god jesus is knocking on the doors of our belief system on our soul that keeps the kingdom from, prevents the kingdom from flowing like a river through us. Because this isn't an allegory, this is a spiritual reality. Uh, guys, in one sense, guys, this is the milk of the word because this is the most basic understanding of the new covenant. But in another aspect, I recognize this is meat because this is heavy stuff. Guys, it's not fluff. You won't get fluff from me. You, you're not going to get fluff from me. And on my website, I talk about the areas of where, where God is disciplining the nations and disciplining the body. But what's in there, guys, is an understanding. It's designed to release greater intimacy and it's designed to release the great commission, which the body of Christ has turned away from. And we're covering under loving discipline for rejecting the great commission. Right, so please hear me. Understanding the intimacy, of the Lord, is, is the full package. But the full package is summed up in love that expresses itself in many ways. And, guys, this is the meat. This is what God wants us to get into. He wants us to grab a hold of this, He wants us to walk in this. This is what righteousness is, guys. Understanding who we are in Christ. So I'm gonna repeat something, guys. The bottom line, whether we're willing to admit or not, the truth is, family, that our beliefs are what govern our actions. It governs our intimacy and the depth of our intimacy, the depth of our communion. Guys, you ever stop and of "Imagine this. Imagine two, two, two walks, okay?" And we're gonna close up in this. And how how do we examine ourselves, okay? How do we examine ourselves before this? I want, to, I, want to entice, I want to invite all of us, myself included, I'm going to fire myself up for a godly jealousy. Okay? Two Christians. One Christian lives their life, they get up, they brush their teeth, they get closed, they go to work. They have their daily interactions, they have to deal with the rejection of people, the insecurity of ourselves, their selves, themselves. The concern about how much they read or they pray, whether God's happy with them. Everything about them, about their day's events, is filled with two things. The five physical senses giving them constant information of the carnal realm. And then they're getting constant condemnation and self-examination from the demonic realm. I'm going to give you a second scenario. Child of God wakes up in the morning, and as he wakes up, he feels the presence of Jesus in the room with him. He gets up, goes take a shower, as he's taking a shower, as he's getting dressed, as he's brushing his teeth, as she's brushing her teeth, they feel the presence of God's love flowing in their inner man, vibrating like a warm blanket, the Holy Spirit bearing witness with their spirit. They are sons of God. Ever wonder what that feels like, guys? What does it mean to bear witness? How does our spirit bear witness with the Holy Spirit? There's something going on there. It's real. They go out throughout their day, and as they do, the Spirit of God is talking to them. It's on Father's heart. Go get a cup of coffee, and the cup of coffee, you see a stranger, and the Lord starts speaking to you about what that person needs. They don't know Christ. You're dealing with all sorts of problems, and the Lord just gives you a little bit of snippet and says, hey, son, daughter, I want you to go up to them. I want you to share with them that I love them. Lord, how do I do that? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you how to do it. Head out to work, and as you're heading out, you pull in the parking lot. There's a stranger going to another corporate business somewhere else, and you go out there, and the Lord says, hey, that person has a problem in their neck. Their neck's really hurting them. Why don't you go up and then ask them? Would you be offended if I prayed for you? I just would like to pray for you. And watch their eyes as they get healed. And you say at them, "The one who 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 died for our sins, Jesus, he's a friend of mine. I'd like to introduce you to him." Again, in the night, we get tired, we deal with the frustrations and the stresses of work. And the Lord says, "I want you to get quiet for a little bit. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to give you the answer to those problems you're having at work. I'm going to give you the revelation." I can tell you how to handle that. But first, I want you to just sit with me and I'm going to tell you and I'm going to express the manifest, tangible, spiritual realm of love around you like a warm blanket until you can remember that nothing else matters in this realm or in the realm to come. And you go to sleep, and when you go to sleep, he speaks to you in dreams and visions while you sleep. Guys, imagine living that as a normal Christian life. That is the invitation we're all called to. Anyone who's living that life, there's nothing special about them. It is the gift of the new covenant. And the men and women who understood the heart of Father and the great redemptive plan and how all these things fit in, they had that type of communion. It's available always. It always has been. The new covenant sealed it. It's a choice. What are we going to choose? What do we want in this life? What do we want? Wherever our treasures, that's where our heart is. So, guys, how do we examine ourselves? I want to finish up with this. How do we examine ourselves? 2 Corinthians three fifteen. I love this verse. Paul speaking to the church who gathered at Corinth, the most carnal-minded church that moved in the most gifts of the Spirit. Interesting. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test. Now, guys, a lot of times we look at this about salvation. Number one, he's talking to the church. What is he really rhetorically asked them to test them? One, make sure you've accepted Christ as the atonement for your sins. Number one. But if you're listening to this epistle, I'm writing it to the believers. Here's the crux of it, guys. Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Please remember the word faith, the Greek word faith means belief. Guys, we are to examine Every area to see whether we are in a belief system that's in agreement with God. And if it's not, we have to tear it down. We must take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. If we want to walk in the highest invitation that we are called to walk in, normal everyday Christianity where we are more rare, aware of the realm of the spirit and his love, tangible love, than we are of the rejection of things of this world. There's a, there's a rather foolish expression. You can be so spiritual minded you're no earthly good. That is blasphemy. You won't find that in scripture. Jesus was the perfect example of being someone 100% spiritual-minded. I only do what I see my father doing. You do not have the things on my father's heart, but the things of your father, the devil, Jesus told the Pharisees. That wasn't condemnation. That was a time for self-reflection, time for them to test and see where their belief system is, where they're in the faith. Jesus was the most spiritual-minded person. He was the most effective day-to-day physical representation of the love of the Father on the earth for the four years. So, the more spiritual minded we become, we're, we will only reflect more and more the earth ministry of Jesus. Where we say that expression is because we try to create an outward shell of spirituality. It's just carnality, just dead religion, just legalism. But there's no such thing as being so spiritual minded north earthly good. Because we attain to the full stature of Jesus Christ, is what we're called to. And Jesus is our example. I just love that. This is awesome. Okay, so here's something to consider, guys, in closing. Consider even our most noble attempts to reflect his image or to interact with his kingdom. What are our motives? Why do we read? Why do we want to have it? Why do we want him to speak to us? Why do we want to read the Bible more? Is it because God? we think God will love us more? Is there fear? Will spiritual interactions validate his love for me? Well, I have a spiritual encounter? That means he must love me a little bit until that starts to fade. I need the next one to be, to be assured that he actually does care about me. right? Those, these are all lies, guys. Will I be more pleasing to other people, certain people that, that, that I respect, that I want them to be pleased with me? Do I need someone else's validation to feel special? Do you know I'm special? Do I feel, here's a big one, guys, I have an unspoken right to judge others, even if it's silent or ever so slightly? Because how much do we hear about, we, I mean, one? We hear one word after another after another, how God is so angry with this nation, right? Here's what we're failing to recognize and what we're failing to preach the full counsel of God on. Half-truths are very dangerous. God's people perish from lack of wisdom, lack of knowledge, lack of understanding. As the church is the salt and the life of the earth, Jesus died and was the propitiation of all the sins for all mankind. The wrath of God was satisfied at the cross. The future of this nation is in the hands of the body of believers. Whether we choose to lay down our lives and begin living for him, begin praying for the lost, begin actually caring if someone goes to hell. Many of us in the church, we don't have much love. It's trapped inside our spirit, man. Our soul has no love for the lost, no love for ourselves, no love for one another. Because we don't know how much we're loved we're not opening that doorway we're not letting that gateway open for those rivers of life to flow into us it starts with examining our thoughts guys what is motivating us and then so guys we make the transition we test it we begin testing things we begin applying the scriptures that talk about we're unconditioned loved and pleasing guys that entire uh, blogs web web pages posted with just scripture it's on my website there's a free PDF download of a of, of, the book that the Lord had me write to the body of Christ um, that talks about the, it's the scriptures, it's the truth of who we are in the new covenant. Of what we're meant to be, of how we're meant to fulfill the, the, the great commission. But guys, we can only do it to the degree that we receive his love into our own soul. Deep communion, it will only take place to the degree our soul begins to receive what's in our spirit, man. We're born again in our soul, in our spirit. It's the soul that needs the transformation. Romans 12.2. So guys, let me finish with this. Romans 5.5 says, And hope, or confident expectation, that's the Greek word for hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been shed out, shed abroad, poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. As that heart means inner man, the inner being, It's referring to our spirit. The love of God has been shed abroad in our innermost man. We need to let it out. We need to receive it. We have to accept it. And guys, it's going to take some courage, but the Holy Spirit's in you. We talk about how faithful Holy Spirit is. It's time to live it. It's time to live it. It's time to know that he's going to hold you and nothing can rob you out of the palm of his hand. When we're faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot disown himself, the scripture said. Rest in that, guys. He's calling you in this generation. Now is the time. So what is a yielded soul? It is a mind, will, emotions, belief system that agrees with God's word. It means that when the spirit of the Lord communes with our spirit man, speaks to us, When our mind begins to apprehend it, we don't reject it. We have to start reading up on who we are. We need to start confessing who we are in the new covenant. We need to start realizing who we are in the new covenant. We start meditating on the word propitiation. That's pretty heavy stuff, guys. It's not meant to be tossed aside. We're tossing aside. We're letting the Lord's word spill to the ground. And He's not wrath. He's not going to beat us up over it. He loves us. He's jealous for communion with us. He's going to offer invitations again and again and again. We examine ourselves through our thoughts. What are we thinking in situations? What are we believing? If you're, any of you are struggling with that, look at your closest relationships. Your closest relationships, how you interact with them, tell you how you believe God sees you and how you see God. And some of you say, no, that's not true. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes. yes it is and Jesus makes many uh, comparisons to husbands and wives in the church and the bride and bridegroom because we are most ourselves around the people we're most comfortable with and we are most comfortable with the people we're most intimate with that's why we say oh we always hurt our friends we always hurt our spouses the most it's because you know, you know we're safe with them no you're safe You know, we're safe to be who we truly are. We wear masks with the world because we want the world to like us. We feel accepted by the people that love us the most, and so we are most ourselves. That's a reflection of what we really believe about ourselves and the Lord. So we could start there. But there's no condemnation guys. He loves you. He loves you with a bottomless love, with a deathless love. And guys, the things I've shared with you, they're not allegories. I'm not talking in dark speech. I'm not talking in figures of speech. You can walk around feeling the tangible spiritual reality of his realm. Anyway. So that's part four, guys, in deeper communion. Lord willing, we're going to continue to talk about other areas, daily practical application. Guys, if I'm sharing things in the Word and there's no application, I'll go far and say, guys, if anything we're listening to, we're talking to, and there is not a daily application of how we grow in intimacy, we need to ask the Lord how much we're to to be tuning into these things. If it's not pointing us to the cross and then to the throne of our Father if we're not growing in the reality of knowing who it is and what it means to be a son and daughter of the living God, we need to analyze what we're doing. We need to work out our salvation. We need to work out the depth of our intimacy. So anyway, Frank, that's going to conclude tonight. And uh, uh, I didn't really give you a chance to say anything edgewise, so I apologize. Then, I just want to uh, I'd just today. like
0: to get out of the way and let you speak. Um, I appreciate it. I just want to say something to two things to the folks. First of all, is so many people, you're struggling to get right before you get into his presence. And I want to tell you that you will fight a never ending, never winning battle. You get changed by being in his presence. You don't get perfect first. And that's the struggle that so many have. In the old time, back in the, you know, when the children of Israel went in the desert, the temple was, the wilderness tabernacle was in the middle of all the children of Israel. And God, the Bible says that he walked through the camp, meaning everything they did from brushing their teeth to putting on their clothes Fellowship. The Lord was in the middle of the camp. But over time people began to get away. And the new covenant, here comes Christ back to be in that midst again. And we be, we become changed by getting into his presence. Because if you think that you can get right enough first, then you deceive yourself. That's the beautiful thing about God. He knows you're a mess. He knows you're a disaster, and He's asking you to still come in and fellowship with Him, and then watch your life begin to change, folks. If you begin to surround yourself, your thoughts, your prayers. I tell people all the time, change your music too. You want to put godly music on. I'm telling. I, I know this might frustrate some people, but those hymns, those old fa- that beautiful music. I've heard testimonies in South America where they ran out of content on Christian television. They put on just nothing but these nice nature scenes with beautiful hymns playing in the background. They're getting letters saying, it changed our lives. David drove out devils by God of music. What I'm trying to get at is when you surround God in everything you do, or surround yourself with God, from your thoughts, from the way you pray, what you do in life, to the things you listen to, your life will be changed. It will be, Instead of fighting and struggling against your sin, get into communion with God and watch those problems with your sin go away. That is the key. The other thing I wanted to say, David, is about judgment. Folks, judgment in God's eyes is something different. Because when judgment happens, whether it's on a nation or whether it's on a people, there will be harvest. See, judgment was happening on the first century church in unbelievable ways of persecution. Yet that judgment brought about an explosion that 2,000 years later we are still reaping that benefit of that time of judgment. They were reaching the lost. They took the gospel around the world on foot in 30-some years. It was unbelievable. On feet. Yet we have every ounce of technology. They judged the Chinese people over the last 50-some years. And their church explodes the harder the judgment is on the people. What I'm trying to get at is judgment means harvest is coming. And so when you see that everything in this world seems so so bad and what's going on, folks, there is a harvest out there. And whether we get destroyed tomorrow or in 10 years, what it doesn't matter. God is looking for us to be vessels and not just simply pew warmers, bench sitters, you know, and and, and sitting basically complaining about what everybody else is not doing. And so... You, God is preparing us as believers for harvest. This communion that we, David's talking about, it's so we can reach others. It, 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 this whole thing with God is so that you can now be useful in the kingdom to share that same thing with somebody else. It's not a private party. It's not just for you and God only. God equips and He empowers so that you can share also, and that there will be now somebody else.
1: Folks, I want to Frank, encourage you. Can I jump you, in right, on that? Just, oh, yeah, oops. go ahead. No, I, I didn't mean to cut you off, Frank. I, I, I can, no, go I, ahead. I'm, I'll remember. Uh, guys, just to round out what, what Frank is saying a little bit, please understand the heart. You know, pray. <laughs> Guys, to round this out, what that saying is, it's, it's, Frank is not saying that God wants communion with you to use you. What is Frank is saying is, the more that we commune and are one with the Lord, understand his heart, feel his heart, receive his love, the more the kingdom is flowing through every part of our spiritual and physical and emotional DNA we will think and feel the very things he does. And what's on his heart is the love for his children. He died to reconcile his children. And so when you experience the intense communion of his love, it is impossible not for him to talk to you about the ones that are going to hell. In the same way, if any of us have loved ones or children, how many of us would say, well, I've got one, one kid who talks to me and the other two are, they're, they're, they're destroying their lives through drugs. And I don't really care about them because at least I have one child that likes to spend time with me. Right? We would say that person's insane. Mm. In the same way, God, God, he sent Jesus because he, every part of you, he wants to have intimacy with. It's not that we're pawns to be used. It's that as we spend time and get to know him, it is impossible not to feel the love that's on his heart toward his children that are hurting and suffering, and we will do the things that we see him doing from his throne room. It's, it's all-encompassing. Every one of us has a one-of-a-kind, a one-off blueprint unique relationship with him, and he wants that restored to every one of his children. So, Frank, I know you and I have talked about that. You know that. So I'm saying this to the benefit of the body of Christ to understand what Frank is saying. It's impossible not for his fingerprint to touch your... Guys, when the fire of God hits you, when the fire of God hits you for his love, it will change you. And we have to be willing to say, hey, are we willing to deal with this? When Jeremiah said, the Lord is a fire shut up in my bones, he wasn't joking around. Again, that wasn't an allegory. It's a fire. It's a fire. It's an all-consuming fire of love. And it burns up everything. It's a hatred toward everything that prevents children from being reconciled and prevents the reconciled children from experiencing the love of the Father. So Frank, I just wanted to share that in case some people misunderstood what you were what you were conveying. Well,
0: yeah, I'll 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 put it like this as we close this out, from the bottom of my heart. You know, 19 years ago, you know, I left home so strung out on drugs, so messed up. I did, was doing everything wrong, and that day I came home. You know, I've shared my stories few, about a year or two ago, or a year and some ago. When God saved my life and my family, and then several years later my my oldest daughter, who the her birth was the trigger, God sent Elise to save her father's life. He did. He sent that baby to save my life, and she gave her heart to Jesus, and she said, "I want to be baptized," and I was like, "Wow, why? I mean, I don't even deserve this." And then my youngest daughter, you know, she turned 12, and she, she wanted to give her heart to Jesus too. And she went down in those waters of baptism, and I was getting ready to go in there that day, and uh, the pastor was a friend of mine. I, I said, can I go in, you know, the baptism? I want to be there with you. He said, no, you're going to baptize her. And so I went in with her. And I got to baptize my youngest daughter. And folks, at that moment, when I came out of there, if I had died right then, I would have been the happiest man on earth. Because God saved my life and my family. And if you've never experienced joy in your life, you don't. You will never truly experience until you have led somebody to Jesus. Because it's one thing to have your life changed, it's so amazing. But oh, when God uses you to then touch somebody else, that's when you share this unbelievable joy that God's desire says it, he, he doesn't want anybody to perish. It's not his will that one single person would be lost. And when you get to join in that with him, I can't explain it, but it's the best feeling ever to see someone else give their life to Jesus. That's, in my opinion. That's what makes life living for. It's, it's not only Christ, because it's when He's in you, now you share His heart, and His heart is to reach the lost. All these other things that are going on, they're great, and they're warning signs, and there's all that, but it's still about reaching the lost. That's what God cares about. He reached us, and He wants us to join in that fight with Him to reach others, and it feels I can't, David. You know what I'm talking about when you see a changed life. When you see somebody that was heading one way, and God just gets a hold of them and shakes them up and turns that life around. It's what we live for. It's joy I can't even un- explain. And I'm sorry, folks, it's just, I, I want you to experience, this is what God wants. I know it's what He wants. His, the Great Commission is a part of this, is He wants us to share this love with other people. It's, it's, a, it's, it's the family of God. It's about family. And He wants a bigger family. And I want to, I want to be a part of that. So everybody, David, thank you for so much for being a part of this show tonight. God bless you for staying on a little extra. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Frank. Everybody, thank you so much. This is Brother Frank and Brother David and the Remnant Call, and I just want to say something, folks. God loves you. He's got a mission for you in His life, and a part of that mission begins with that communion with Him. And when that communion place and he begins to share his heart, folks, you're going to start seeing people in totally different light. And he's going to share new things that you've never seen before. And you want to talk about your journey just beginning. Oh, I don't care how many years you've been in the Lord. When he starts to share his heart, it's like a brand new walk and it is exciting. This is Brother Frank and Brother David saying good night to everybody. And Shalom.